1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
2: All right, let's get to 2009, because this is the part of Beltron's Met career where things start to, you know, kind of suck. And this is not his fault. 2009, Mets move into Citi Field. We're all thinking, oh my God, these giant fences in the outfield, it's going to take away guys' power. Carlos Beltran was hitting 325. It didn't really screw with him. In fact, Carlos Beltran on May 5th, that's a month into the season, had a 404 batting average with a 1,111 OPS. He started the 2009 season like he was on a freaking mission. And actually, was hitting 325 with 10 home runs and 48 RBIs, 41 games into the season. Things were going really, really well. Obviously, you can see the power is down, but the average is way up, and he's producing a lot of runs. And then he got hurt. Carlos got hurt. The New York Mets at the time, 2009, they had a lot of crazy losses, some amazing wins. That was the same year that featured the Luis Castillo drop, the Ryan Church game. But on the other side, the Omir Santos game. The Mets were 34 and 32 when Carlos Beltran got hurt. And when he got hurt and didn't play for the rest of the season, that was it. It was like, okay, we're done. He actually came back in September, but by that point, the season had completely gone haywire. Uh, Carlos Beltran was dealing with a knee issue. More on that in a second. So Carlos's 2009 was a weird one. When he played, he was great, but he missed half the season, and the Mets eventually spiraled out of control by not having his bat in the lineup and had a sucky season. That's essentially how 2009 turned out. But during the offseason, In the middle of January, so right around now, Carlos Beltran had knee surgery. Ah, you guys remember this one? This was a huge controversy between the New York Mets and Carlos Beltran. So here's the story on what happened, or at least what we know happened. Beltran wanted to have knee surgery in 2009. That was the injury that knocked him out, made him miss most of the season. The Mets said no. The Mets said no. We want you to wait. We want you to see if rest can heal this. So this is where we get into murky territory. I I can't tell you who's right or wrong. I'm just going to try to give everybody the facts because I know there's a big part of the audience that doesn't like Carlos Beltran, but then there's a bigger part of the audience that doesn't like Jeff Wilpon and doesn't like the Met training staff. And this is the height of the Met training staff. So the Mets told Carlos, do not have the surgery. During January, Carlos Beltran opts to have the surgery. The Mets aren't happy. (laughs) So 2010 appeared like, oh, crap, we're getting off to a bad start. And uh, this, this was classic. Carlos Beltran did not play in April of 2010. He's got this knee issue. Didn't play in May. Didn't play in June. He actually made his debut on July 15th, 2010. And here's the rub. Here's the problem. If you recall, the Mets were surprisingly off to a really good start. In fact, when Carlos Beltran came into the Met lineup for the first time, they were 48 and 40. And I had a radio partner who said, bro, I don't want this guy back. He's going to mess with the chemistry. And I said, Joe, you're crazy. Why wouldn't you want a really productive bat back? Like, I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense to me. It's one of those occasions where Joe Ooh. was right because Carlos Beltran came back. He stunk. He just did not have a good year. And then all of a sudden, the Mets stopped hitting and the Mets stopped playing well. And with Carlos Beltran playing in 2010, and in 2010, he only played 64 games and stunk. He had only 255. Believe it or not, he had only seven home runs, had a 768 OPS. But he re-enters the lineup. The Mets go 26 and 38. So even though I, I don't buy that he ruined the chemistry of the team necessarily, and I think the Mets were going to cool off either way. They weren't that good. I, you know, it was tough to argue with Joe.
0: Because
2: <laughs> he said it. He'll ruin the chemistry. And he came back. And he stunk. And the team stunk.
3: I got I to gotta be honest. I remember the debates with you and Joe. And I was 100% team Joe B on this debate <laughs> there was it, it was like this guy he, first of all the whole offseason surgery i do remember that we hate the training staff but again like i i looked at it as whether or not i didn't know the training staff was this bad what is carlos beltran doing going to get going to get surgery behind his back where's he going what what's the what does he not want to play does he want to delay there was a lot of things i was hating on carlos beltran so i think this is really like I was soured already. We're not in the playoffs. And now this, it's just all piling up against Carlos Beltran. What the hell is he doing? And he comes back and we suck. So, yeah, this was, it was so bad. It was, it, this is the, the, the tipping point, I think, for any, any real debate on Carlos Beltran.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was tough to defend. He wasn't, he wasn't playing well. Like he came back, he didn't play well. And he had now missed basically a full season, but things were about to get worse. In a controversy that was very tough to defend Carlos in, the New York Mets were visiting Walter Reed Hospital in September, which is something that I admire that the Wilpons did. They always thought it was really important for the Mets and Mets executives to visit our heroes at Walter Reed Hospital. And there was controversy because, of course, three Mets missed the visit. Every other Met went but three Mets missed the visit. Oliver Perez, Luis Castillo, and Carlos Beltran. Oliver Perez responded to the controversy by saying, I don't talk about things that aren't related to baseball. So he completely told the media and the fans, go F yourself. Carlos Beltran was remorseful and said, look, the reason I didn't come is because I was doing other charitable work. I want to go to Walter Reed hospital. I've been to Walter Reed hospital every time we go, but I was actually doing something. I think it was related to hurricane relief in Puerto Rico. This was always such a weird debate when it came to Carlos Perez. It was tough to defend because he basically said, don't ask me questions about this. Beltron was saying out of prior engagement and the prior engagement was something charitable. It's not like his prior engagement was to play twiddly winks or to go do something crazy. So It was a big deal on our radio station. I understand because how can you not go visit Walter Reed? But I actually thought Carlos made a compelling point when he said he's visited it before and he was doing other charitable work, but it really, if anything, just piled on what was a miserable, miserable season. Oh, six. He's great. Oh, seven. He's great. Oh, eight. He's great. Oh, nine. He's great when he plays. And that's what leads to this. He doesn't play a lot in 2010. They don't win when he plays. He doesn't produce at all. And then obviously you've got these controversies. Now we go into 2011. That's it. That's the last year of his contract. We're seven years into this thing. And I think we all had the same confidence. He's going to have a good year. Like we all had that confidence. Pete, big contract year guy. Guys always perform well in their contract years. Well, I think we were all in agreement Carlos Beltran is going to be really productive in 2011 and the Mets aren't going to be good. So they're going to trade him. Well, boy, everything lived up to the hype because in 2011 at 34 years old, Carlos Beltran in 98 games prior to his trade hit 289, had a 900 OPS, something he did not do that many times in his Met career. And he had hit 15 home runs and 66 RBIs. We were excited to trade him. Like, I liked Carlos Beltran. I appreciated what he did, but it was obvious. Of course, you got to trade him. Contract year, 34 years old. Team's not going. Team's not, you know, team's not going anywhere. Of course. Like, they have to trade him. Were you gung-ho on trading him, Pete? Or were you like, nah, he's having a great year. Let's, ke- let's keep him around.
3: No, I, I 100% traded because if I'm correct, Reyes... Just won the batting title the year prior, right? He won it in 2010. Am I right on that? I think that was 2010. Yes. So we just lost Reyes for nothing. No, no.
2: My apologies. Let me let me correct myself. This is the year Reyes is winning the batting title. So this 2011 ah, season okay. is the same year where Beltron's having a great year. Reyes is winning winning the batting title. By the way, the Mets are on their way to a 77 win season, so it's not exactly like it's
3: translating into anything. So the idea was, though, that I felt that they actually probably should have got rid of Reyes as well in, in, in the moment because I'm sitting there going like teams going nowhere. I don't know who they're going to commit money to. Is it going to be right or Reyes? It sounds like it's only going to be one. It sounds like it, I think I'm not even sure if they committed to right yet as far as the extension, but it sounded like they weren't going to bring back Reyes. So I just felt like offload as many people as you can because I don't want to get burnt just letting them walk away for nothing.
2: Yeah, I wanted to keep Reyes because I wanted to keep him long-term. I still thought it made sense. Beltran at 34 years old, it never made sense. Like, at this point, you got to move on from him. And since he's having a career year, I thought jackpot. Great, there's going to be a big market for him. So going back to the rumors in July, because it was obvious they were going to trade him. And this is another rip on Carlos, if you want to take it. He was gung-ho about the trade rumors. Like, he was always... Yeah, you know, I'd love to be in first place. Yeah, I'd love to be. Like, he was very positive about the trades, almost like he couldn't wait to get, get the hell out of here. Yeah, exactly. Get yes. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, at this point, who the hell could blame him? I mean, he doesn't like ownership. Uh, they're telling him don't have surgery. They're making him look bad from the Walter Reed thing. And the team sucks. So here are the teams and the rumors I remember at the time. The Atlanta Braves, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the San Francisco Giants, the Boston Red Sox. Those were the teams we heard. I was fine trading him to Atlanta or Philly if they were going to get enough back. Because at this point, I don't care if he helps the Braves win. I don't care if he helps the Phillies win. I'm not winning. I just want something that can help me. Something that can help the Mets over the next couple of years. So, I wasn't dead set against them making trades with either of those teams, looking back at some of the old rumors to find out, Hey, what were the Mets asking for? The Mets really wanted the Phillies prized prospect, Dominic Brown from Atlanta. The Mets asked for Mike Miner and Julio Teron, Obviously Julio would go on to kill us and their top prospect, Randall Delgado.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The pirate thing
2: didn't go anywhere because Beltron apparently refused a trade to Pittsburgh. He had a full no trade plus a 10-5 guy. He had all the veto power. He said no to Pittsburgh. I couldn't find like a rumor on what the Red Sox were offering. And then you have the Giants, where they had two big prospects at the time, Zach Wheeler and Brandon Belt. Both turned out to be fine players, and they really wanted Zach Wheeler. And obviously, on July 28th, 2011, the deal was pulled off. The Mets traded Carlos to San Francisco for Zach Wheeler. For the Giants, Beltron was very productive. I mean, you can't say he went there and failed. Problem was the team failed, and they didn't make the postseason. Now, shouldn't hurt them too much because a year earlier they won the World Series and a year later they'd win the World Series. So the rental of Carlos Beltran, even if it meant giving up a prized prospect like Zach Wheeler, uh, didn't really affect them. I mean, (laughs) they went on and won a couple of championships. And we all know how the Wheeler deal turned out. Uh, A great, great dumping of a trade. I mean, especially when you think about the other options that apparently were out there. Zach Wheeler was a home run for Sandy Alderson. And that ended his Met tenure. It kind of ended in, I guess, excitement over who we were getting. But you think about it. The guy had seven years here. And I would define it this way, Pete. He had three great years that no one could dispute were great years of the seven. He had an injured season, two of them, in 09 and 10. 09 was good, 10 was bad. Either way, barely played. So I include them as injured seasons. He had one bad year, like one just top to bottom, he sucked in 2005 and then the incomplete of 2011 where he was really good, but obviously was traded at the deadline. What do you think? Like when you break it down like that and think about his entire tenure, was it a good signing? Was it worth it? Did you like the Carlos
0: Beltran era?
3: Well, first of all, there's one key play that was after he left the Mets that you're completely forgetting about. The, No hitter, Johan Santana. That he. (laughs) But in 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 all seriousness, if you take away everything, like if you took away the media, you took away every ounce of talk about Carlos Beltran. If you didn't know anything that happened, it just took away what he did on the field. Obviously, the fact that they didn't get to the playoffs often often they only went that one time that hurt. But his numbers were significant. You look at what he did as far as topping the charts for Mets all time list. I mean, he's his name's up there. He he performed. He had one of the better seasons as a, as a New York Mets. So it's almost it's it's difficult to knock what he did over those seven years. Yeah,
2: look overall, he's the greatest free agent signing in the history of the New York Mets. And if you're making an all time Mets team, he's probably a starting out. Well, definitely is a starting outfielder. I mean, he's a starting center fielder. So. Despite the bad, and we went through it, I think the good still puts him in like this rare pantheon in New York Met history. But I think what's difficult, and this is where things get challenging, Carlos Beltran is likely not getting into the Hall of Fame on this ballot. We'll find out in about a week. But I don't think he's getting in. But I do think he's going to get in. Like, I really do. I don't know if it's going to be year two or year three, but I think he's going to trend Uh, With a lot of these modern voters, and he's going to get in. And if Carlos Beltrán gets into the Hall of Fame, he either, look, a lot of guys go in with blank hats nowadays. Greg Maddox went in with a blank hat. So I know that the blank hat is the new thing, and maybe Carlos does. But he was a Met. Like the only other team that can kind of match in terms of years and production is the Kansas City Royals. That's it. He's certainly not an Astro, he's not a Yankee, he's not a Giant. He's not a Cardinal. He is a Royal or he's a Met. And he was better with the Mets and made the postseason with the Mets and is most known as a Met. So we have this weird thing. Like the Mets don't have a lot of Hall of Famers. Guys who were Mets. It's not a long list. And there's a chance in the next couple of years, we're going to add to that. And Carlos Beltran is going to be a Hall of Famer. And it's even possible he wears a Met hat. What does that mean? Should we retire his number? Should we treat and talk about him differently? Because it's not like the Mets as a franchise have a ton of Hall of Famers with Met hats on. Like the list is nothing. It's Tom Seaver. It's Mike Piazza with a Met hat on. Gary Carter wanted a Met hat on. He doesn't have a Met hat on. So do you think him getting into the Hall of Fame will or should affect the way we view him?
3: No. Uh, what it affects is the fact that my viewing on this is basically the Mets history is just not as good as I'd like it to be. And that's not anybody's fault except for the fact that we just didn't know how to – we're, we're not even young anymore. We've been around for 60 years. The That's why you look at now guys like Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil. We need to lock those guys up. They need to be homegrown Mets. We need better history. Listen, Carlos Beltran needs to be what needs to be looked at as one of the best Mets of all time. He really does. And that's and that's just because the sad state is that we don't have as many amazing Mets that lasted. But that I think that will change soon enough that we're gonna he's gonna be lower on the list, but he should be put in the list of greatest Mets of all time.
2: Yeah, I I liked Carlos as a Met. I thought he was sort of disrespected at times. I think me and Joe arguing about him probably led me to liking him more. But to me, he doesn't, like a retired number doesn't fit. Like, that's going too far. I don't view him as someone who has to have that number in the rafters. And here's the other thing. Since Beltran left, the Mets have treated his number, the old number 15, like a whore. They gave it to Val Pascucci the minute he left. They gave it to – here's the list. I'm not even kidding you. Val Pascucci, Fred Lewis, Travis Darno for a short period of time, Luis Guillorme for a short period of time, Brian Dozier, Guillermo Heredia, Juan Lagares, Cameron Mabin, Matt Reynolds, and even this year, Devin Marrero, who was on the team for a handful of games. So obviously, the the Mets haven't thought about that number as being anything special.
3: It's been handed out to everybody over the last decade. Yeah, but, but, but Ev, you kill me because it's like we, we talk about the, the history of the Mets and it needs to have a better history. You look at one of the better players that's, pl- that's put the uniform on and you don't want to retire the number. I, I don't, I, I understand it's a special well, place in a RAF, but eventually we have to be like, I liked to like this year what the, in 2022 what they did honoring Keith Hernandez honoring other people it's nice to know that there's a history to the Mets no, no I
2: love the history of this franchise I really do and I, I guess I'm still having a tough time getting past how special I thought retired numbers were like I love the idea that it was only Seaver and Piazza as players that they retired so I know the bar has changed. I'm just being honest with you. Like, I loved Carlos as a player. I never viewed him as a guy. Oh, my God. No one else should wear 15. Like, even now, when Devin Marrero ran on the field with number 15, did you say to yourself, oh, my God, that's Beltran's number? Probably not. No, not even close. I I don't think it went through your head. And look, I don't want to ignore this because it'd be weird to talk about his legacy without mentioning it. Obviously, the man was hired to be the manager of the team, and we all thought, wow, he's got a real chance to rewrite his script. He goes down and wins a championship as a manager. Our view on him could evolve. But unfortunately, with everything that came out with the Astros scandal, the Mets quickly fired him. He never had a chance to manage. He never will have a chance to manage this team. Is there a chance he comes back to this organization at some point? Maybe. But I don't think any role he could ever have would be significant enough to change how we all feel about him now. Like being manager had that opportunity. And I don't know how that was going to work out. I mean, it's one of those weird things. Would Carlos Beltran have, would it have worked out well? I don't know. I mean, I look at the history of the teams I root for. The Nets hired Jason Kidd as head coach. Jason Kidd is an all-time great net. And I remember when they made it, I was like, God, this is going to change how I view him. And truthfully, it didn't. He coached him for one year, did a fairly good job, left though, couldn't wait to leave. And nowadays when I think of him, I don't think of him as a coach. Like I just, I kind of delete the year that he had coaching. So I guess if things ended badly for Carlos, let's say it was Luis Rojas where he managed them in 2021, collapses in 21 and they get rid of him. I don't know. He'd probably still think of him as the same player that he was. Um, So I don't know if managing... In, in it not working out would have changed that much about how we view Carlos Beltran.
3: I do think eventually he'll get a, a managerial job. I don't know if it'll be with the Mets, but he doesn't want to really go anywhere else besides the Mets or Yankees. Am I correct?
2: That's what I've always heard. But you know what? If you really want to manage, unfortunately, you may have to take the job elsewhere. I think Beltran gets into the Hall of Fame in the next five years. And I think at some point, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon, but as more time goes by, uh, I think Carlos will eventually be honored for his accomplishments with the New York Mets. And I do think that some fans will think of him differently because as time goes by, our views on people
3: evolve. It's just natural. One, one thing that we haven't really touched on is he's arguably one of the best switch hitters of all time. Like That's, that's something that just that alone, it sets him apart from a lot of other people, which is why we, he's like almost a guaranteed a of Fame spot, in my opinion. Yeah, and by the
2: way, real quick, I think he gets in, you think he gets in. I don't view him as a Hall of Famer. He was a tremendous player, and maybe my bar is too high, but I've never felt that Carlos Beltran was a
3: Hall of Fame baseball player. Just just my opinion. Yeah, but nowadays the Hall of Fame is just so skewed. It's so off-base. It's We're not letting Barry Bonds in. We're not letting some clear-cut Hall of Famers in there, but yet we're letting Tim Raines in there. So what the hell are we doing?
2: Yeah, I the, the problem is I don't like to look at one guy who got in and say, well, that guy got in, so this guy can get in. I think when you play that game, you'll end up with everybody in the Hall of Fame. Before you know it, Mark Rissalanik will end up as a Hall of Famer if you're not careful. So that's Rick my only view on that. <laughs> well, maybe he'll earn it someday. You never know. <laughs> uh, we'll do more on the Hall of Fame coming up at the end of the week. We'll take a look at the ballot, and kind of like we did last time, the Met connections with everybody on the Hall of Fame ballot. Some of these guys play for the Mets. Some of these guys almost became Mets. Some of these guys killed the Mets. So more on that coming up at the end of the week. And I mentioned we have a bonus episode of Rico Brunner this week, a very special Foo Philly edition. Of course, you can email us anytime, be at gmail.com and tweet at us. Whenever there's Met breaking news, we'll obviously quickly turn around with a podcast as well, as we creep closer and closer and closer to spring training and then eventually some fake baseball games we appreciate you listening appreciate you downloading check out Pete with Tiki and Tierney me with Craig at two o'clock on the fan thank you for checking out
1: Rico Bronio. we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronio podcast it's amazing isn't it make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times